Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, this Thursday afternoon. Nine minutes past two o'clock, and I'm delighted to be joined by Sadia Osmani for this week's Thursday Chinwag. Sadia, it's great to see you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's very warm out there today, isn't it? I very know. humid. I'm just look- oh, gosh, it's 32 degrees oh, Celsius. Oh, no. yeah. yeah, I thought it would be that much, actually. It's- but yeah. you're looking radiant. Well, that's because I've cooled yeah. off now. <laughs> I've kind of fanned my way in. (laughs) We do have a very big topic today and and a great topic and a very important topic. Um, What will you share with us today? Well, really, you know, I was the whole uh, the whole subject of racism obviously is on the TV. It's on the radio, but we're seeing it around the world and people reacting to what's going on in the USA. But it's obviously not only in the USA. And while I've been watching some of these things, um, you know, it occurs to me, it just brought back some of the memories and things of, you know, when you have children for instance everyone's watching tv everyone's listening to the radio uh, and children will be asking lots of questions about these things and i suppose the onus really goes back on us when we when we look at racism and we just see it as it is and it's awful sort of face that's there that we see you know we just wonder like how did it ever start where did we get these attitudes from and it really does go back to our childhood you know to how our parents may have thought and um so i was just doing some investigation just to see that like is there a way of actually communicating these things to children at a very early age because you know that's where it starts that's where these attitudes but obviously you know I'm keeping in mind that everyone has different circumstances whether it's like your class your community your experiences so obviously there's influencing factors so you know as a black person or as an ethnic minority you know you may have experienced certain things but which somebody else in your school or whatever hasn't um, so keeping those things in mind I stumbled over uh, stumbled by a, a, a website and it's just called parent toolkit Right. And all it is, it says how to talk to kids um, about race and racism. And I thought it was great. I thought it really did sort of address some of those things. And I'm going to just really sum up what's there. But I think if people want to go and have a look at it, especially if you have young children and you're thinking, because, you know, now quite a few people have been homeschooling. And I think across the world, people are still homeschooling. And this is a good opportunity to perhaps bring in these things, although it's not necessarily just for homeschooling. It is really just for everyday stuff anyway that we should be addressing with our children. Um, so some of the things on this website were really good. They've basically kind of broken it down into six main areas of how you deal with this, right? So the first thing is, is they, they say that you should actually talk about it that you know it's a kind of difficult conversation to start to talk about race and racism Um, and the expert advice is that kids you know are already picking up information around them and learning about things whether it be through their school friends or whatever when they go to nursery when they go to school and generally kids um, don't really notice they notice color like anything else like so for instance like if somebody's got glasses or long hair or or their height is funny that's how they notice color it's just another part of somebody's appearance it isn't something that's given like 
a huge amount of importance in their eyes initially, right? Um, an interesting story. Um, I remember when um, I, my kids were quite young, my, my sister told me about her, her son. And basically, he had a best friend who was white. And, you know, his son was obviously Pakistani. And, and, um, and he came back from school one day and he said, oh, Josh doesn't want to be my friend anymore. And then, you know, she said that he just suddenly, he'd been his friend for a long time. And then she asked, he must have asked him why, that why don't you want to be my friend anymore? And then he said, um, because you're brown. And this came out of like, they'd been friends for a very long time. So somewhere along the line, that child was exposed to some form of racism, where somebody, whether it was his parent or somebody he knew, suddenly made him aware of his friend. And so it was very sad because I remember my nephew was really quite quite affected. He was quite young. He was probably only about like six years old, seven years old or something. So so that's an interesting thing that, you know, suddenly if people, if children are exposed to things, they will react to that. It's um, so interesting you mentioned that because it's true, you know, my, my grandfather, my Chinese side, um, having gone through the Japanese uh, war and occupation, I remember he used to always say, well, we shouldn't have anything Japanese in that house and you know for, for the long time but my mom had to sort of explain to me because of my grandfather's experience that's how he felt about you know japanese products but that shouldn't be our view yeah, about yeah. it and we shouldn't we carry learn it, it forward exactly and and it's and you know it can be dangerous when that sort of learned behavior is carried forward um, just to clarify you know my grandparents had nothing you know against japanese people you know now you know mm. now what we explained to them, you know it, the, the the generation now cannot pay for what the previous yeah. generation yeah. did i think j just to make that point clear yeah. um but but it's true you know uh, pa uh, parents need to sort of navigate that from yeah. their parents and also teach their children that the the, the history doesn't mean that the future yeah yeah, and and I think addressing those issues that comes up in, in in some of these points too. That when you do hear something which is not quite appropriate, or if a child says it, or or you know somebody else says it, and your child is sitting there or whatever, then it's really important to address that straight away, yeah. Yeah. you know, and to stand up for it. Um, so you know the other thing is that obviously they're saying actually talk about it, but the other thing is about as I said, you know, setting the example that you know. You, if you don't yourself have a diverse network of friends and interests and, and you know, you're taking your kids to different places and you're showing them different things, um, then you can't expect the kids to have an understanding of those things. Um, and obviously actions speak louder than words. Um, and it's funny because I have a, an example of, uh, I had a close friend and a colleague at work and um, he was going to invite us for dinner and stuff. And um, so he said, and this is in Scotland and in, uh, in Edinburgh. And, and then he said, oh, you know, my son's not actually had that much exposure to many Asian people. And I, and I was thinking, it's a bit odd. Your son goes to school, your son. And then he said, so maybe like before you come for dinner, I'll give him a little bit of insight and I'll talk to him about things. And I was thinking, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to give him a Bollywood film or something? So it's interesting because like, you know, although actually he thinks, he thought that his son would perhaps be a little bit puzzled by all this and not understand, but that son was going out to school, had friends, so he didn't bat an eyelid.
but it's funny how parents perceived it. So it's interesting. So, so yeah, set an example in terms of how you and navigate people's um, children's curiosity. So, for instance, if kids are asking lots of questions, it's about sort of addressing those questions and encouraging those questions through respect. And they said it's focused on intention, interpretation, and impact as to how you deal with those things, right? Um, and obviously, if there's stereotypical kind of attitudes coming through, then you can just say, right, okay, well, why are you thinking that that person should be like that or that person should react like that? So it's some very useful stuff on this. It's, it's really worth parents looking at it. Um, and the fourth point was, is make it relatable. Um, because children, if you say, no, you mustn't talk like that or you mustn't think like that, unless you give them examples, unless you actually explain things, um, they won't understand it. It's best. They, they said it's something like um, there's a kind of uh, method that they use, which is called the spider web activity, where they basically say, give uh, children like a, a, a roll, a ball of string and say, OK, wind it around everything that's in this room and stuff. And it was really easy to wind it around. But if you go and you try and pick it out, then it's really hard to gather it up. And so that's what they're saying, that society is like that, that everyone is trying to unravel these things and understand these things. That's a nice way of kind of showing it to kids. But it's more about to balance it off to say, yes, there are people who feel strongly about these things and they don't like this and that's not appropriate. But there are other people who are really trying to make a difference and who understand completely. So it's, an, it's a real balance that you've got to get through to it to young people yeah. um, and then you know number five was like address the mistakes so that's what we said earlier on that if you think that you know if the child feels that he said something that's quite offended you know might offend somebody then it's a matter of just thinking okay let's have a listen what do you think you said and how do you think you said it and how could you have said it think about the other person and how they would feel about it and the last one is really about being an advocate that on all cultures and colors that you need to encourage kids to allow people to speak for themselves and share experiences if you st share stories and you understand then there's a good chance that they will sort of understand you can't reprimand them on their actions but you can just use language and you know your own behavior speaks volumes mm. so i thought it was quite interesting and i think it's it's certainly an issue that right now is very much out there and it is probably a good opportunity for us to address it, not necessarily maybe just with children, to yeah. tell you the truth. I was just thinking the yeah, same thing. Also you know. with previous generations uh, or just, you know... The older uh, generation, absolutely. Exactly, our parents, our, our grandparents, uh, if, if they're still around, because sometimes uh, they'll have perceived um, thoughts on, on certain race and, 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 and whatnot. And it's funny how these are learned behaviours. Mm, you know, you, mm. It's taught, basically. And, mm. and it's, but it's very sad. I mean, it's really sad to see and it's sad because I think we've all gone through a lot of trauma at the moment with yes. the pandemic and with everything that's going on and now to see something like this and yet it feels like COVID kind of brought everyone together and we were all quite invisible to people's you know faces people's backgrounds because we were all in it together and now suddenly we've been pulled apart again and which is sad because COVID has done some good in terms of bringing people and acts of kindness and things like that and now suddenly we're kind of 
on the square one again. Yeah. So that's a bit sad. Yeah. Thank you so much indeed uh, for your sharing today, Sadia. And I look forward to uh, more chinwags with you next week. I'll be here next week. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you very much indeed.